Hi, this is Mick Wingert, and you're listening to the FSF Popcast. Hello, guys, and welcome to the FSF Popcast. I'm Tim. I'm your host. And of course, Kathleen, my trusty sidekick, is always here with me. That is you. Yes. Uh, and today we have a guest who has made his way back to the FSF podcast, which also means that he should know better, but he came here anyway. We somehow talked him into it. But we are thrilled to welcome back the voice of Heimerdinger from Arcane, Tony Stark in, in, in Marvel Animation. There's the right. Joker in Batwheels. Oh, <laughs> and so much more. And so much more. Guys, Mick Winger, welcome back Hi to the everyone. show. <laughs> I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Your voice has been playing a lot in my house lately. Oh? Bat Wheels has made its way back around into my daughter's watch through, which makes me. Very oh, angry. I love that. That's such a great show with so much, so much heart to it. I love playing the Joker on it, but actually, I really love playing Mo. Mo is kind of the, you know, he's the Orko of the whole Bat Wheels set. For those of you who are old enough to get that reference, <laughs> right, boss? That's right, Mo. I love it. I, I don't need to host, by the way. I'll just do this thing for an no, hour. Is, Let's do my routine great. and we'll call it a day. No. How's that? Voice actors. And that's the show. There we go. <laughs> I'd actually be okay with that. I would. I could honestly just, if I'd have known, I'd have brought popcorn. That's the only thing. <laughs> Man, I already. Right. Yeah, you already ate all your bacon, so you're all you're screwed. So, all right, Mick. So the last time that you were here. I yes. believe Batwheels was actually on the verge of getting ready to be released. We are just, mm -hmm. you had just kind of announced it. And I believe you're wearing a Batwheels t-shirt underneath and you're like, look what I'm in, you know? Um, so yeah, there was that. Dun, and dun, 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 dun. exactly. Dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, and season one of Arcane was just recently out and you know, the world was a buzz about, about Arcane and everything else that was happening. So Mick, What's new in your world that our viewers and listeners would be interested in knowing about? Well, thank you uh, for that uh, for that intro in terms of like the retrospective. That's really that's cool. Yeah. What I will say is what if season two just dropped over the holidays to fairly positive reviews and my lost episode from season one was included in season two. Um, the Sakaar episode where I got to basically be Tony Stark in the middle of a death race. Uh, and that was so fun to watch. Um, I sat with an old friend of mine and I have not seen it. They didn't give me any, any warning. They, uh, I think, I don't think I had any ADR for that episode or if I did, it was minimal. And so I didn't see a whole lot of the sequences and stuff. I was blown away by how that episode turned out. There are a couple of others, right? There's the the Happy mm -hmm. Hogan as the turns into mm -hmm. the freak and saves Christmas, uh, which Tony is in for a minute. And then there's also, uh, you know, the 1602 episode where, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Avengers gather in in the middle of the Renaissance and that that had some Tony in it. And I remember doing some ADR for that episode, but the Sakaar episode was absolutely like, that was what I was hoping would drop in season one. And getting to share the screen with Jeff Goldblum and um, Cynthia McWilliams, who plays Gamora in that, um, mm -hmm. and um, 
Oh gosh, uh, Valkyrie. Why can I not? Th- Tessa Thompson, who plays Valkyrie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a- and uh, um, Taika and Taika Watiti. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to be in that and have all of those incredibly talented actors, screen actors and voice actors, and have such a seminal role in the whole episode was mind-boggling for me. Like, that was a huge, huge deal. Um, it I mean, is. it's one thing to, to, to be Kung Fu Panda, and, uh, and, and we did like 80 episodes of Legends of Awesomeness and 20-some-odd episodes of Paws of Destiny. Um, and that's a franchise character, and I was arguably the lead of the show. But it's not the same, right? It's not the same as carrying on a legacy from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 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 a mashup of two beloved properties, right? Iron Man being a beloved property mm-hmm. and um, Thor Ragnarok being a beloved film within mm-hmm. the franchise. Like getting to be in the midst of that mashup and, you know, they gave it that cinematic treatment where every name came across the screen in the pre-credits, which Legends of Awesomeness, arguably much bigger job, much, much, much wider exposure. But I got end credits at the end with everybody else just doop, like for a second, just to fulfill the SAG minimum. And then we were out, right? So nobody was watching it, but this is like the lead in and everybody's names flying off the the, the screen. Mm-hmm. And I'm second, I'm second billing. I was like, I, I've never had something like that. You know, what if totally blew my mind. Um, I can say too, uh, speaking, you spoke of arcane. You were asking like what's on the horizon. Um, I can, uh, here's what I will say. Cause I have to be very, very careful. Understood. I will say that, that I did get a, a chance to do a screening of at least one episode of season two and fans are going to have their minds blown. Your minds will be blown. Okay. That's all I can say. Consider them pre-blown now, and then they will be officially blown once it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've been uh, I've, I've been really happy to um, been really happy to get some really positive feedback uh, lately uh, on my work as the talking flower in Super Mario Wonder, which is super fun. Um, that's another one of those prestige gigs where you're like. Oh my gosh! I'm part of this universe. I, I was I was like worldwide famous for about ten minutes when somebody I think on Reddit it could have been 4chan though. I, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was 4chan. Somebody on 4chan had hacked an early copy of the game and saw the cast list, but the, the we cast members were not accredited with what roles. But through process of elimination, they knew that it was either me or Kevin Afghani who was the new voice of Mario after Charles Martineau had announced his retirement. And for about 10 minutes, I had every news source in the world calling my agents, calling me. It was so cool, kind of, because I was like, oh, everybody thinks thinks I'm a big deal. They're going to be really disappointed when they find out that I'm not Mario. (laughs) And there's my 15 minutes of fame. All right. Yeah, that was fun, guys. And we're done. You know, and we're, I'm back to being but Nick. Been, okay, but I've been getting really positive reviews as my work uh, for my work as the Talking Flower, and arguably he has as many lines, if not more, than Mario in the game. Um, and 
I'm having people contact me on social media. That's at McWingard on threads, Instagram, uh, Blue Sky, and the artist formerly known as Twitter, um, at McWingard. But I've been getting some great feedback just saying like, oh, it's my favorite part of the game. It's so fun. It's, you know, he's cheering me on. And that's super fun. Um, that's cool. So that's kind of a, that's been kind of a big deal. And, you know, as it's, as it's been landing. Nice. Yeah. That actually is like a perfect segue to one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because yeah, we, we had talked last time about you being a voice match for Jack Black. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, I'm like, well, if Jack Black was the voice of Bowser for the Mario Brothers movie, if they did more with Mario Brothers and they cast you as Bowser, which would be fantastic. And I feel like yes, you're either wanting to t- talk about it or you can't talk about it. I saw the eyes. Anyway, <laughs> but I mean, I love Jack Black's rendition of Bowser. Like, I love the way that he portrayed Bowser so yeah. much. And part yeah, of that it's so it's daughter, so like universally beloved. Oh, um, my daughter. My daughter absolutely hates it. Oh, really? She hates it. She absolutely hates the Peaches song. Uh, to the <laughs> point where fine, when we go grocery it. shopping and we're in the produce section. I cannot even look at peaches without her being like, mom, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, but, but they're so cool. Don't do it. <laughs> you know what amazing. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to sing to her the next time she comes oh, on yeah. the video to chat with me, with me, right? Okay. Do it. Yeah. She absolutely. Child abuse hilarious. Is what that is. Yes. Um, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, you what? <laughs> if you got to do <laughs> Bowser's voice in a new Mario cartoon or a Mario game, what would you want to add to his backstory? to make us love to hate the King of the Koopas that much more. Gosh, what would I add to his backstory? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be allowed because I'm not a writer as it were, right? That's the, that's the writing room and the showrunners and stuff. But I would say that, um, and I'm talking a little bit out of my depth here because I was not tapped to do anything for Jack as Bowser um, at all, but, but fingers crossed, um, if if pro- and I don't know, I mean, I honestly, it's not even just sure. me being an industry insider. Like, I don't know of any projects that are coming up in regard to that. But but his performance as Bowser is really seminal. Um, and um, so I don't I don't know what I, what I would add to his to his backstory. Um, I'm a little out of my depth because uh, I'm not as familiar with what they put into his backstory, but definitely would lean into his love lordness, uh, maybe a a jilted uh, attempt at uh, romance in his younger years that uh, you know drove him to be the 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 terrible you know king of the Koopas that he became, right? Uh, jilted by his high school sweetheart or would be high school sweetheart. I guess like. I, I, let me try that again. Jilted by his high school crush. That would be the simpler way of saying that. And uh, working out his issues that way. That's Ooh. that's what I think I would try to bring to the table. Stood up at the Koopa prom. That yes. Oh, man. Can you see him in his? And it would be it would be like a, a, a version of the of the uh, the Bowser, the Bowser groom amiibo yeah. outfit, right? With the the he definitely have to have the ruffly. What the yeah, oh. yeah. Except that it would be like burgundy polyester with like a pink ruffled shirt and one of those giant 70s bow ties yeah amazing amazing and if not burgundy powder blue powder blue powder blue i would actually prefer the powder blue because that just seems more bowser would look good right he'd rock the powder blue with with a um 
you know, with a with a pink corsage that he's got and a little pink boutonniere that he's wearing. Oh. I, I'm I'm seeing it. I, yeah. And Nintendo, now I, and I, I'm looking at you. And now I'm feeling now bad I'm, for a cartoon character. <laughs> and I just need him to do one line for me because if he's wearing a powder blue tuxedo, I need him to have uh, a, a a Jerry Curl wig and do a line from Coming to America. It's sexual chocolate. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> like Randy Watson. No, I'm not saying that. Exactly. But yes, I hear. I, yes, the moment I, the moment you're going for, I hear you. <laughs> no, I don't need we you to say it. We live in a world of sound bites and AI, and there's no way you're going to get me to impersonate Jack Black saying that for your podcast. Sorry. No, no, I get it. I wasn't asking you to say it. I just, I just, I just heard that I've in my Kathleen. head. Yeah. I just heard that in my head, and all of a sudden, I'm just imagining Bowser like stomping across the the, <laughs> the stage, waving a handkerchief with a full, you know his the boutonniere in one hand of the the you know the the handkerchief Court. in the other, and yeah. sexual chocolate. Anyway, um, well, uh, another thing you did, Mick, is you were kind enough to do an email interview for our website. Oh and yeah, so, yeah. So we yeah, I appreciate you doing that. That was really cool. And uh, we've had some some uh, I've had some messages sent to us. Uh, uh, people appreciated it. They liked reading it. And they oh, so, cool. yeah, so it'd be very cool that you did that. Now, in the, the email interview, you talked about how the version of Batwheels, uh, Joker, rather, for Batwheels was yeah. made for preschoolers and how that was a challenge for you. I was hoping that you'd be willing to expound a little bit more on that. Sure. Because, um, you know. What what specifically about the character increased the difficulty level? So when you're doing a character for a preschool show, whether you're a protagonist or an antagonist or a supporting character, you got to remember your audience. Now, Kathleen has a five-year-old at home, and here's what I know about five-year-olds five that I learned from my wife, is that brain development is a physiological process that affects how they can see the world. So until the age of about seven or so, all of us are known as, uh, are what is known as, I don't speak English, I'm sorry. Um, I barely do either, it's fine. What, what are known as concrete thinkers. All I'm trying to say is we think concretely. We are not capable or as capable of abstract thought. Okay. Which means that if, uh, you know, for a little for a, for a preschooler, if a character exists on TV, even if it's a cartoon, that that person, that character exists in the real world to some degree, which is why so many of us who in the 70s and 80s grew up with uh, the yearly uh, broadcast on CBS of uh, The Wizard of Oz were traumatized by the fact that Margaret Hamilton was so scary as the Wicked Witch of the West because when we were that little and watching it, even on television, even though this was a movie from the 40s, that person existed. And she's terrifying. So you have to be careful when you're writing a show for young kids that the concrete versions of the characters that you're giving them to live in their actual world are approachable and safe, even if they're antagonistic. So 
Oh, yeah. Okay. The, ver the version of the Joker that you're getting in Batwheels, just like the version of the Riddler that you get in Batwheels and the ver version that you get of the Penguin and any of the other Bat villains, and also why they don't have characters like Zhaz and uh, you know, Killer Moth and that kind of thing, is because the versions of these characters need to be approachable so that they are not a legitimate threat to the kids themselves. They become sillier versions or I always call them nerfed. They, they get nerfed like you would nerf oh, a yeah. video game character. Sure, sure. Yeah, you, yeah. Nerf, you nerf what's at stake so that the uh, so that they're still palatable to the audience. Now, it's a delicate dance because if you nerf a character too much, they just become insipid even for a preschooler. So that becomes very not compelling. And that was the challenge. The challenge was how do I honor uh, versions of the Joker that have gone before most, most seminally, seminally, of course, Mark Hamill's version of the Joker mm -hmm. from Batman, the animated series, which in my estimation was the definitive and is the definitive performance of, of that character. Yeah. Um, at least in animation. Um, I would even put it up against some of the cinematic versions, but in the cinematic versions, you're going for something completely different. Mm -hmm. So if you're, Agreed. if you're talking Agreed. about comic books, uh, being directly ad adapted to a visual media, I think Hamill's version in animation is the closest you're going to get to the original intent of the Joker. And everything in the cinematic universes that you see is is an extrapolation and 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 kind of a use of that character in a new story, a new like milieu. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think Hamill's is is you know absolutely seminal and because of that i wanted to honor that i also wanted to honor you know the joker i grew up with which was the one that was featured occasionally in the batman and robin cartoon and the crossover cartoons that batman and robin did with scooby-doo and that guy was a lot more like this right it's the joker <laughs> because it was the 70s and you know that's right, what yeah. they thought kid, kids wanted to watch so so I was like, okay, so this is for preschoolers. The Joker's been my dream character since Nicholson played him in the in the eighties, and even even before that, I always liked the character. I love, I just love the theatrics of purple and green and that white face and just the whole clown mm -hmm. prince time. And and that's what they were looking for was this feeling of fun clown, kind of the the role the Joker took in the sixties after the comic book code was and started to be enforced and Batman went all the went on all these wacky adventures the Cesar Romero version of the Joker was based on right. that uh, the clown prince of crime and so Batwheels wanted to get back to that but with kind of a modern vibe so so I gave him kind of that little thing that that Hamill does right where he he goes up and down and then he gets really like that and he does that that kind of thing and I but I knew that I couldn't take it too dark Right? right? Oh, that's you and me were designed to do this dance forever. <laughs> right? He does that whole thing and mm -hmm. he gets all dark. Well, they can't have that in a show for four-year-olds. So right, I right. kind of went down here like this, but I always kept him very goofy. And then I would throw in my big laugh and I made him a bit musical so that... I would lean into the goofiness. And every once in a while, he gets a little Stewie Griffin in there, too. Like when he gets... <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an episode out now where he plays Dr. Joke. And um, 
And basically, it's that red uh, Redbird who's like the Robin. He's Robin's little sport car vehicle in the Batwheels, uh, and he's kind of like the kid brother character. So, um, so Redbird has been reading these uh, James Bond equivalent comic books and fancies himself a super spy. So he gets, you know, Mo gives him some super spy gadgets and he starts to crack this case and Joker is there and he's got his like Nehru jacket and everything else. And the original version in the original script, it was Joke Finger. He was playing Joke Finger, which I thought was hysterical. But S&P wouldn't let it go because they just were being cautious, even though there's nothing about Joke Finger that is untoward. They just they wanted to avoid even the appearance of being un- untoward. So he yeah. became Dr. Joke. I get it, yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's several moments in the Dr. Joke episode where he goes down here like this before he comes back up here like that. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, I would encourage all of you, if you have, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, I think that they do broadcast them on, on Cartoon Network as well. But mm-hmm. on, on HBO Max, you can watch them at will. It's, um, a, it's probably my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just such a great episode. Um, there's another one where he and Harley are, you know, throwing bananas all over the city to to make the people slip and fall and do pratfalls for physical comedy and they have to be stopped. And that's the kind of thing that is super fun to play. But it is a challenge because we all know the Joker right. in his more modern version, right? We know him as the psychotic, homicidal, um, you know, man who laughs. And and that that needs to be honored at the same time as it needs to be, you know, you need to make sure that your audience can still connect. But that's a great answer. And it makes a whole lot of sense now that I hear you explain Mm -hmm. it, because thanks. I was just I was curious about what the differences could be, because I haven't watched a ton of Batwheels. I don't have any five year olds in my house, although. That doesn't. That answer also doesn't hold a lot of weight because I do watch some Bluey. So you know, there's. You have to practice for being a grandpa. I am. I'm getting there. My first grandson's coming in a couple. Oh, a little over a month. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very, very, very excited about that. Oh his gosh, name is Lucas, and I can't wait for Lucas to get here. Uh, uh, and his daughter-in-law posted friends. ultrasound pictures the other day, and he's got the chubbiest cheek. Massively chubby oh cheek. I just, just, just want to. Oh, so sweet. Just yeah. like, in the ultrasound picture, even like looking at how gigantic these cheeks are, I'm like, oh my word! Those yeah, it's uh, it's pretty adorable. But so you know, I hadn't seen a lot of it. Um, I've seen enough, but oh, cute. there. Like, look at the <gasps> oh my god, she's so cute. Yeah, so I can't wait for him to get here. But so we're gonna, I'm gonna watch all these kind of fun shows with him and and all this stuff. But I hadn't thought about the. You know, because even though I have, I've had three children and my youngest is now 17, I hadn't thought about it from the aspect of kids having more of a concrete mind at that age. And you're absolutely right. Now that I think about it for, for a hot minute going, okay, yeah, that would make sense why they need to nerf the character. I'll use your, your phrasing because that actually makes a whole, that just easier for me. But yeah, when something's overpowered and something that shouldn't be in video games, we nerf it. We bring it back down to, you know, Mm -hmm. to make it palatable. And so, yeah, nerfing Joker to a, a five-year-old's level where he's not scary, but you know, but still holds true to the to the character. Now I see the connection. Now I see why it was a challenge. Now I, you can't do it actually makes me appreciate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. makes me, it makes me appreciate. The, 
yeah and it makes me appreciate your, your job uh even a little bit more honestly and the way that you went about it uh because Thanks. yeah now i see the challenge it's just you know when you were explaining it in the email uh, in the interview i was like oh well okay i i get why it could be a challenge maybe okay <laughs> But now it, it just it makes more sense to me. And, and so, yeah. So hopefully somebody else who w- thinks a lot like me goes, oh, yeah. OK, cool. I want to watch more of that now. Well, and hopefully anybody who are anybody who does watch the show and is, you know, a Batman universe purist and might, you know, shake their fist that that this doesn't feel like the Joker as they want them to feel uh, will understand why. Like. Right. There's method here, like, and I don't mean method acting, but like, there's there's a reason that characters for certain shows have to look certain ways, mm-hmm. even if they are a totally um, franchise character that's already existed, right? Even if they are an IP that we are familiar with, even Batman, like, um, you know, one of the things that the the EP Michael Stern has said several times in interviews is. What he loves about Ethan Hawke's version of Batman is that his version for Batwheels is kind of like the uh, kind of like the 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 grumpy dad. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like overseeing all of these kids and he's like, oh, now I got to do something else. Right. Like he's got to like go fix the swing set or whatever. And and he says there's just this really fun, you know, relatable quality to uh, to Hawk's Batman. That's great for preschoolers. You know, and and honestly, now that this is even kind of clicking in a little bit more because I've watched a few episodes of uh, Spidey and his amazing friends, the, mm-hmm. the Disney Junior Show. Mm-hmm. And now that you now that I think about it, all the the villain characters are done like the same way. Green Goblin there and Doc yeah, and, oh, Doc yeah. Ock and and even the Hulk, who can be a little scary at times, is not scary in this. And it's like, think okay, about the, the you way said my mind was going to be blown with Arcane season two. My mind is now blown with this. It'll have to get, come back together so it can get reblown for Arcane. You're welcome. But if you think about, too, the way that Lego <laughs> nerfs characters, I mean, mm-hmm. Lego Darth Vader is totally different. Mm-hmm. He likes tacos. Scary Rogue <laughs> One hallway Darth Vader. Like, right? Very I mean, well. And also, you know, you look at the Lego properties, even when they are using. Um, dialogue that they've licensed from film properties they will throw in plastic banana and a fish and fish skeleton like mm-hmm. having humor fun with it, yeah. over the existing dialogue to make it silly and funny and nerfed yeah honestly one of yeah. my favorite lego star wars shorts or episodes or whatever i don't remember which one it is uh palpatine and vader go on vacation <laughs> that's and, funny and palpatine has like gotten a, a beach resort and the the interaction between them when when vader finds out that it's a beach and that there's sand and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> oh no <laughs> those levels of jokes because to little kids they're like oh yeah that's funny to the grown-ups watching it with little kids they're like <laughs> sand yeah oh, no. exactly oh, exactly man. i just did um or i should say it just came out i want to say it came out over the summer the marvel lego avengers code red mm. and there's some really fun you know slapsticky kid-friendly humor in that too where i you know black cool. panther and and iron man are you know everybody's like falling down this giant like trap door chute and they get separated and like 
we get thrown into the trash. And I think Iron Man's line is something like, well, at least they could have put me in recycling, for goodness sake. Something like that. Um, yeah, and I'm probably misquoting it because it was a long time since I recorded it. But it is. It's that kind of sensibility. Sort of I love, yeah, I love it's it. that kind of like super fun, silly, lighthearted. I will definitely look at those shows a little bit differently now. See, I'm sure. It's fun to me is when you realize as a parent how many jokes they put in to kids shows for you. Oh, SpongeBob. Oh. Oh, SpongeBob is not a kids show oh. at all. But like <laughs> even in theory. <laughs> even in, theory. in even in like there's there's an episode of Bluey where there's there's a joke <laughs> that I'm like, "Oh, I am glad my daughter doesn't understand that." Um cuz Chili comes out on her bicycle and Bandit is very excited about seeing his wife and his camera goes off. No. It's just like the look and as the, the camera flashes and the Polaroid picture pops out and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad she doesn't get that. So glad she doesn't understand. How you doing? How you or, doing? Or in, in uh, trolls, the newest trolls movie and band together. So the, the Bergens are on their honeymoon and there's a line as the Bergens have been tied up and are being kidnapped. There's a line from Bridget that that's not how she anticipated getting tied up on her honeymoon. And I'm like, <laughs> as, as my husband and I are sitting next to each other in the theater and my daughter's next to me watching the movie. And my husband and I both looked at each other and went, Oh, spicy. Oh, <laughs> no. I, Daddy, why does she need ropes? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm so glad I'm past that point. <laughs> oh, man. You know, so, Mick, you actually voiced a character in one of the biggest and most anticipated video games of 2023. It's, yeah. There were news reports and videos about it daily, which is actually one that I haven't played yet. But the game is Starfield, which I know, I got wrapped up in Tears of the Kingdom, and I, I fell down that rabbit hole. It's okay. Everybody did. <laughs> I'm still, I haven't actually finished the game yet because it's the, oh, look, another quest over there. Oh, look, shiny. Yeah. <laughs> ADHD in an open world is a bad combination. I get it. I get it. It's. I mean, I love an open world game, but I'm also oh, attention deficit. Oh, man. It's like, and, and I I'm, I'm, I'm a... Today? I don't think I took my meds today. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i think, so I, I, think I missed my meds so today so there's that that's always, that's always a fun fun moment <laughs> but did you have you played starfield i haven't played it yet but uh it was really fun to record and uh the folks at bethesda are amazing to work with they know exactly what's going on and it's you know i had very fallout vibes when i was um I love fallout. when i was recording it because it is i mean they, we recorded it very dialogue tree style right mm -hmm. like here's your here's your interaction here's what their reaction your that character's reaction they're going to say one of two things they have two three options to re reply to you here's let's go down this path and we'll record this dialogue let's record down that dialogue and it was super fun it was super fun um yeah i mean lots of lots of press about starfield um and it was really, it was really cool. They wanted us to sit on that until 
It was completely released and everything was was announced though. Ooh. So there were times where they were releasing some information about Starfield, but we couldn't speak to any of it if our until everything was was out. Um, so like they might have introduced main cast members or whatever, but uh, we ancillaries were still told, please don't say anything about the game. Don't talk mm-hmm. about your role. Don't say that you're in it. Just radio silence until we give you the word. Um, video game properties are super NDA when it comes to that stuff. And and you'd think you'd think that that uh, there'd be a reasonable accommodation. But there isn't always. There isn't always a reasonable accommodation. Sometimes it is, you know, we want to make sure nothing gets out except as we control it. Yeah. We sure. need to re- control the narrative here for marketing purposes, corporate, whatever, espionage, right. all that stuff. We want to protect the IP so it's just better if nobody says anything. And, um, and that's kind of how it was. I can only imagine with Bethesda with as many massive games as they have. That that's that's a big thing for them with the new huge don't touch it don't touch it yeah I, I usually you know even just saying for example what I said about arcane um I, I don't think riot is as precious about it as as they have been but I I try not to say anything to anyone because I want to keep working. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really, it, it can get that pressure for the fans. It's not. And as an actor, there's part of me that thinks, don't you want me promoting your, your move? I'm like, this is free promotion that I could be doing on podcast interviews on, you know, um, right, right. You know, obviously nobody wants their movie experience spoiled. Nobody, nobody wanted to know the secret of empire strikes back before it was released. That would have been a tragedy. Right. Um, for everybody's viewing experience. However, like just not being able to even say I'm in the project, I would think that you'd want to start building momentum, but I'm not in the marketing department and I don't know how it works. So that part surprises me. I understand not giving away, you know, plot details, character details, things along those lines, but just to be able to say, Hey, you know, when you're on a show like ours or doing an interview or somewhere that, you know, are you part of this game? Yeah, I'm part of the game. I can't say a whole lot, but yeah, uh, it's going to be really great. I, you know, I, I recorded some lines, have some general conversation about it because, like you said, that's free publicity. So I'm kind of surprised about that portion, but I have, also not very surprised. <laughs> I have a feeling it's like when they when you're on a medication and it tells you do not consume alcohol on this medication. It's probably safe to drink a drink, but you're going to have that person who's like, well, if one's safe, then two's safe. So That's they're just going to tell you true. that none, no, none of it because Look, they don't want two's good. Right. If two's okay, we're definitely going for three. I mean, if I'm already having two, right? it's not a big leap to have a third. It really I'm isn't. already there. I'm and already there. I'm halfway there. Unfortunately, that mindset is far too prevalent. And that's probably why they're just like, no, we're just going to be like, you can't talk about it. Because we don't want right, somebody they... to be like, well, I just was talking about this part. Well, they make up those rules for people like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, it's the Tom Holland effect, is what it is. Oh, yeah. Right, exactly. Couldn't that kid on, on an interview without uh, a handler. Poor I guy. absolutely love some of those interviews where he just starts talking, and that you can just see the guy next to him, his eyes get really big, and just be like, or they've seen it where they've actually like reached out and put their hands over his mouth to, to shut <laughs> him up. Right. 
You know, they're like, yeah. no, 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 you can't say that. <laughs> Shut up. So, uh, Mick, one of the things I don't recall uh, talking about the last time you were with us, and, and maybe we did, but I, I went back through the notes and I don't remember talking about it. So, you know, if I did, correct me. But I don't it's recall. What's that? I said it's not the frozen tag you. No, oh, no, we, we did def- talk about that. We definitely that talked about that. That was, was. An exclusive. Uh, was. Did you guys ever get any fan commentary about that? Actually, I believe we did. I'll, uh, I will check. I will look it up in a moment. That's funny. That's funny. Um, so one of the things I don't recall, though, is that um, I don't think we talked about you being an acting coach, a voice coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so my my curiosity is always peak when people do things. I like to know what kind of got them to that point. You know, that's one of the things we talked about with you when you were here last time. What what got you into acting? You know, what kind of got you moving and, and all of those things. So now I'm curious, what got you into wanting to be a, a, a coach, a teacher, an instructor of of acting and voice acting? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking that. I, you know, when I was a kid, I, there was a, there was a phase during which I felt like I wanted to be a teacher. Um, yeah. Around what the, the, 13 or 14 when I was in middle school, I thought maybe I want to do this for a living. And then through high, through high school, when, um, when you're learning the creative, excuse me, the creative arts and you're learning specifically stage technique, um, for acting, like there aren't a lot of high school drama programs that, that teach you how to act for film or act for for the microphone or some of the other ways of performing that are actual careers uh, or that are media based. It's all very classics oriented. So so if you're a kid and you're interested in acting, you're taking a theater class in high school or college. You're learning how to act on stage, which, you know, stage acting is never going to go away. And it does not have the cultural power. It doesn't. That is not how we tell our stories anymore. Usually mm-hmm. stage is for spectacle now. That's why all the big hit shows on Broadway, all the musicals are adaptations of movies at this point or existing IPs. That's why you had Spider-Man the Musical and Shrek and The Lion King and The Producers and The Color Purple and all of these things that are based on film, which is how we and television, which is how we actually tell our stories now, right? So I'm getting I'm getting off track, but what what you asked me was like, how do I want to be a teacher? And when I was in, in theater, there's like, you learn pretty quick, like either you're going to go to Hollywood and be an actor or you're going to act on Broadway. And that's the only way that you're going to make a living as an actor, uh, at least from a high schooler's perspective. And I wasn't sure I was going to make it there. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be a teacher. And that kind of middle school vibe came back to me. Um, and then, you know, when I, I, saw that I actually was making it as an actor and I had, I had thrown my hat in the ring and it, and it was, mm-hmm. it was not a, it was not a plan. Th- there was not a plan B in place. Like I was at a point where I was trying to get control of some things financially in my life. And I loved being in what we call a voiceover workout group, which this is like, a group of peers, however you met, I happened to meet the ones I was involved in the group with through a class that I took. I took a, an animation class, met a guy that was in that animation class. He was in a weekly group that met in somebody's garage, right? Who had a, the, the guy whose garage it was, he has a he has a band that he still tours with every once in a while. And they're just a little local party band that, you know, does bar mitzvahs and, you know, 
mall openings and things. And um, and he would just set up some of his sound equipment from from the band. Um, and he had a basic recording set up in there. And we would just meet every week and practice. Well, in this practice, I was like usually taking the directing chair because I would hear what people what the other people would do. And in a in a workout group, it's usually like a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing because we're all still learning, but we just want to practice. I'm a big believer right. in them, by the way. I think workout groups are awesome for up and coming voice actors. Get involved with your peers. And if you don't have somebody who knows how to direct or has to, who knows what to listen for, you'll just start throwing, throwing stuff shit. out and trying to direct, right? Like, oh, could you go up and pitch on this line or 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 try it like this? Or what would it sound like if you were pretending to be doing this? And it's all just like spaghetti against the wall. Bloop, 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 bloop. And some of it will stick. Sometimes you'll get good right. direction. But I was listening and I'm like, no, I think this needs X, Y, Z specifically not just try this to see if it gets different but like i think what you're missing is in this line okay and and i started becoming kind of a de facto director for this group so when again going back um into the meat of the story like i was trying to get some financial things together and i'm like i loved being a part of that workout group and i want to run my own and i want to be the director teacher of it okay. um and I had had the great fortune of mentoring with a voice actor by the name of Pat Fraley, who teaches and still does a lot of stuff on his own. Pat's, Pat's awesome. amazing. Uh, if you've not had him on your podcast, you need to. We did. We just okay, did a while ago. Awesome. Pat's incredible. And he literally mentored me. He, t he taught me not only how to be a voice actor, but I gained so much from him on how to be a teacher. The way he taught made sense to me. And so... Over the last 15 years or so, I, I started kind of with my own sensibilities, but but going through what Pat, the, the matrix that Pat had given me. And, and over the last 15 years, I've really developed my own style and come to appreciate, you know, I think I have a gifting for taking a complex idea and turning it into a digestible chunk taking something that an actor might be struggling with and being able to say, Hey, have you thought of it like this okay. and give them a word picture or a metaphor or break again, break it down for them and then go, Oh, now I get what you mean. And that kind of like reinforcement just made me dive in further and further. When I first started running a, a workout group, I would say, and I still market myself as a coach, but I was very adamant. I'm not a teacher. You're not taking a class. I am coaching from the sidelines and I am directing a workout group, but I'm this is, you're not paying education. It was cheap too. Like you're not paying an educational rate because I don't consider myself a full-fledged teacher. I'm not equipped okay. for that. But now, now I know I'm a teacher and a coach and I have the skills and I can, I, I would, I can back myself up. Like I, I'd put myself toe to toe with, with any of the other teachers that are out there, including Pat, because he's a master. And, uh, and I've, I feel like I'm, I've come to the, the place now where I can say, yeah, um, I've taken what he's given me and 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 fostered in me and I've made it my own. I, I have no problems calling myself a teacher as well. Okay. Does that answer your question? I think it does. Yeah. Because um, that was a lot. I mean, it was all over the world with that. <laughs> Kathleen, I need your uh, three minute summary of what I just said. Actually, your 60 second summary. I was too busy crocheting because my ADHD is also acting up. <laughs> gotcha. Should have taken your meds today. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> it's just not time for them yet. <laughs> no, I get it. 
So, I mean, when you when you ever see Pat now, do you ever see him? Is the last time we met, I was but a learner, but now I am the master. <laughs> Only a master of evil, Tim. There we go. Okay, that's all I need. I'm good. Awesome. <laughs> I so, set him up. He knocks him down. That's all I need. Okay. He gets you, Tim. I do. Somebody has to. Somebody has. Hey, to. somebody's got to get me. So you know, uh, I uh, you know just to put just to put a button on what we just talked about though, like you, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, like I really love to teach. Um, I have the great privilege of working with actors across the skill level spectrum. I get I get folks who are brand new, who've never acted before in their lives, and I get working pros who are like, I don't know why I'm not hitting. I don't know why I'm not making it where I want to, what's missing from my read. And, and I've been very, very uh, fortunate to, to be able to speak to those different skill levels. It's sharpened me as an actor too. There are things that um, I would have been lazy about in my own auditions, but, but we worked on similar sides or something this week. And, and I have to like refocus and go, no, wait a minute. If I was coaching myself, what would I say? What would I say about that read? That I know that's not up to up to snuff. What does it need? And it's it just makes me a better actor and teacher to work with all those skill levels. It's so cool. I'm very lucky. I think that's I think that's really very cool because I think anything that we're going to do if we're going to be successful at it, there has to be a, a, a heart drive to it. You know, sure. you have to have you have to have that in your seat of motivation to say. I'm doing this because of this reason, and here's the reason why I'm doing it. And I think that that, to me, that makes a lot of sense because it's not just something that you're doing just for kicks and giggles. You're doing it because it's it's rooted deeper in you from way back when, and it's just another way that it's kind of bubbled up to the surface. So for me, that's a, a, a very cool aspect as to why you're doing it. It's not just doing it because, hey, I had some downtime and I needed something to do, you know, so... Mm-hmm. To me, that's it's it's always cooler to, to hear somebody talk about something that's, you know, a, a passion that that has a, a, yeah. a, a deep, a deep rooted seat in their heart. So I think that's really very cool. So. All right. So Mick, as all of our other questions have been oh so serious, we like to end our show with a silly question. You, I love silly questions. Let's see if I can come up with a silly answer. Well, so the one that we've decided most recently has been fun to ask is one that we get asked so much as kids, and then when we're grown-ups, nobody cares anymore, which oh, is a darn shame. Okay. Criminal, so, if you ask me. Yes. Mick, what is your favorite dinosaur? <gasps> oh. See, it's a question you're asked all the time as a kid, and then when you're grown up, nobody cares. They stop when you're like 12 or 13. I think that was the last time I was asked. That's a really, really good question. Because there are so many that are so cool. Right? Um, uh-huh. Yeah. What? Oh, there's one that's on the tip of my tongue, but I don't want to say it wrong. That's um, okay. We say a lot of things wrong. Okay. So... I don't know how this came about, but somewhere in my schooling and watching too much television as a child, 
I learned that uh, Tyrannosaurus rex was one of a category of dinosaurs that included Allosaurus, Mm -hmm. who was a little smaller than T-Rex. But I want to say there's a Gorgosaurus? The Gigantosaurus? No. No. No, Gorgosaurus. I don't know, but he looks like a T-Rex. He's just bigger. And he's not... Maybe it is Gigantosaurus, but I don't think so. Gorgeous. Hold on a second. I'm looking it up. Uh, See, I said it wrong. Oh, yeah. No, Gorgosaurus. And he looks like a T-Rex, but he's like kind of round-headed. Yes. That's my favorite dinosaur. So hold Um, on a second. Let me... My second favorite, uh, just for sheer power, and and I think is a, a terribly underrated dinosaur. Oh, oh yes, yes, there we go, Gorgosaurus. That's my boy right there. That's really cool. That that's is my cool boy. Um, the other one that I think is is criminally underrated is Ankylosaurus. No. Sorry, Stegosaurus, the one with the plates on the yes. back of the tail and the spikes on mm-hmm. the back of the, mm-hmm. the, the the plates on its back and the spikes on its tail. Like looks like he's swinging a mace on the end of his tail. Oh, that's Ankylo. Yeah, I'm thinking oh. of I'm thinking of the steg- Stegosaurus with the with the giant like standing up plates. plates. And he and his and his tail has spikes on it, mm-hmm. like two spikes on either side. They are really cool. Stegosaurus. Also, um, there was a little known. Um, oh yeah. Okay. There was a little known Marvel villain for Spider-Man that was basically kind of a one or two shot storyline in the early '80s, maybe the late '70s, with a character named Stegron. And Stegron was basically the lizard. He was like a colleague of Doctor Connors, uh, who took the lizard formula but used Stegosaurus DNA instead of lizard Whoa. DNA. And became like the bigger, badder lizard. But then, like, he, and I think I'm sure because it's Marvel Comics, they brought him back later. But I remember really liking him. And he was only a two shot, like, one off villain. He wasn't like like a part of the ongoing rogues gallery for, for Spidey. So I felt really special that I knew who he was. And all my friends were like, You're just talking about the lizard. He's just that green guy. No, he was no. yellow. And he was like dinosaur and he was awesome. Oh no, you're getting it wrong. So I felt really, really special because I knew who Stegron was. Nice. Uh, as a one, one off. Uh, just the way I feel very special that I know who the Wrath is in the Batman universe. Wrath. Wrath is the anti, one of the many anti Batman. But he was, he came around in like the late 80s. And his mask is the shape of Batman's, but it's a big W for wrath. And his origin, his parents were, his two parents were thieves and they were killed by a cop in the middle of a robbery. And so he's seeking grim justice and he's basically Batman, but in purple and brown of all things, who carries a gun. That's a hideous color combination. Right? You're welcome. Um, also, also purple and reds. There's sometimes that he's he's depicted in purple and red, but so hmm. he's part of the Red Hat Society. Yes, yes. He goes out with all the eighty-year-old uh, ladies for tea uh, in his red hat, um, and he shows up at like concerts and zoo days and things. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tim's just like, I don't even know what to do with you guys. So there you go. That's my that's my answer about my favorite dinosaur. I love it. I love it because like I, we've had the reaction of everything from the the excitement of the oh, you're not asked that anymore to the who asks that like rude because obviously it's one of the coolest questions ever. Heck yeah. Like, it's What's your favorite there. dinosaurs? Not for your audience. They already know, I'm sure. There he is. That's not yeah, his normal color, color scheme. Nice yeah, that was just the actual us. extra picture that was shown. So, but Told it was the you, best one that showed us. Show, yeah, this was the best one to show his face. So I picked that one. But yeah. Yes, my favorite is the Parasaurolophus, and I actually just have a stuffed one on my desk. Oh, that's so sweet. They're very cool because they're the ones that could trumpet through their little horns, and they're very ah. fun. Mine was the Triceratops because I I've always been a big fan of rhinos, and to me that was like triple rhino. It was just really. It cool. is a triple rhino, and and then and of course there's this guy who's not a dinosaur but also. No, big. he's. What is Yoshi? He's a Yoshi. He's a Yoshi. Yep. Uh, Triceratops is also aesthetically pleasing. He's very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. He's just very cool looking. Just very. It, I. To me, it was like uh, what a bulldog would have been if if it would have been a, a, a dinosaur. Right, you know, the big head, and the big shoulders. Park, that is also the dino that gave us dino droppings. It is very true because <laughs> dinosaur is very important. Yes, D- uh, drop droppings, dino dropping, droppings. Dropping. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, we have enjoyed having you on our show so much again. Thank you so much for for being willing to be with us again. My Where... deuce. Yeah. Go from droppings to deuce. I get it. I see what you did there. But I'm. <laughs> where remind our viewers and our listeners where they can go to follow you, follow your work. Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram uh, as at McWingert. Uh, I'm on Threads uh, under the same handle. Uh, you can look me up on Blue Sky. I think I'm McWingert.BlueSky.net or however they deal with that. Um, and I do still have a Twitter profile with at McWingert, but I try not to do use it for anything except marketing when I'm like doing a live signing event or something. Uh, and that's literally just for fans that refuse to leave Twitter, which I don't understand, but it is what it is. So I'm, I still maintain my profile so nobody else takes it, um, but I'm not on there very often. Uh, I'm, you can find me on threads and Instagram a lot though. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm there. Awesome. Well, we will definitely link your socials because you. you've got some cool stuff and there's some more stuff coming and there are. stuff I know that you can't talk about yet. We I know what's in there. The, we know what's in there and we can't wait for it to come out. So awesome. We'll, we'll help promote it when it does. But Thank hey, guys, you. want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to help our show continue to grow and to get guys like Mick Winger to come back a second time. See, this is because you guys of you guys. And so we're really appreciative of that. But if you haven't yet already smashed that little subscribe button down there, go ahead and do that. Give it a give it a good click. It wants to be clicked. It needs you to click it. So go ahead. Click it. Consensually smash that like button. Exactly. And be sure to go check out Mick on socials. Give him a follow there as well. You guys will not be disappointed with what you see because Mick is going to be sharing some really cool stuff here in the near future that he can't talk about now, but we know it's in there. So anyway, just we're not saying, but we're just saying. So anyway, Mick, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're saying because he can't. Right. Yeah. 
So thank you for being on the show today. And guys, thank you for watching. That's going to wrap us up here for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Copyright 2024 FSF podcast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF podcast. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpopcast.com.